Hello and welcome to Live Lunch. It is uh, yeah. season three, episode three, and um, I'm joined by the lovely Matt Carvel. Hello. As you can see, um, Johan is not here. Also, Joel isn't here. I actually don't know where they are. Do you know where they are? Uh, some something about a uh, hot tub. Oh, didn't get that invite. That's okay. <laughs> um, but it's okay. So we are going to be doing live lunch today. I'm going to be being me and Johan at the same time, which is going to be really fun. And Matt's going to be Matt. So Matt, tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do for the church? Great. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the elders. I'll be uh, speaking uh, in this series in, in the next week or so as well, uh, mm-hmm. on your mind series. Uh, so I look after a lot of different areas of church. We're one of the sort of pastoral elders looking out for people and caring for people and that sort of thing. And oversee um, some of our kids' work, but also um, produces some of the, the content that we use in our small groups and that sort of thing as well. Amazing. Um, and you have a garden. I do have a garden. He has an Instagram, <laughs> Carves Garden. If you don't follow it, follow it. Um, so tell us a bit about Carves Garden. I hear there's been a journey uh, with the beetroot. Oh, uh, right, okay. We also have um, some beetroot salmon here with our sushi. I feel so, so special that you got that just for me for yeah. this occasion. Um, no, that's great. I moved to Angleton, which is part of a bit further out of the city and got a garden last year. And um, that's been a journey for me to yeah. discover what it means to be gardener and not doing it amazingly successfully but I thought I'd chronicle the, the progress of it so that's, that's where that's ended up, ended up with are you going to yeah. teach your kids to be gardeners yeah well Ruben uh, helps me he's my three year old um, so he helped me plant all the seeds and stuff like that so it's good fun Amazing. Yeah. And how many weeks pregnant are you? Not you, personally, <laughs> but like... <laughs> My wife, Catherine, is expecting a baby in the next two months. Aww. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, we've got some ideas. We're not, we, uh, we don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl, so Ooh. we decided not to find out, so we have to have all bases covered on the name front, but um, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. Amazing. Um, so last Sunday we were talking about success on your mind and we're doing an anxiety series at the moment and yeah, it's been incredible. But um, can you give us a quick 30 second summary? Yeah, definitely. So Joel was uh, talking about this topic of uh, success and, and, and work really as well. And um, he sort of started off with the fact that I think we live in certainly in the Western culture in a context that is uh, increasingly um, secular, so disconnected from God, and also quite in, um, increasingly individualistic. And so that means we've kind of moved to a place where um, identity is very much connected with what we do and our work and that sort of thing. So um, we, we've we moved to a place where we have to, um, we feel a strong connection with, between what I do gives me value and worth and all those sorts of things. And um, so that is fueling the anxiety uh, when it when it comes to work. Because we think, well, you know, I have to prove my worth, and one of the ways that I can do that and prove that my success is by is by working hard or achieving something like that. Rather than in maybe centuries gone by, people have had a more um, given sense of identity from their family or from the faith they had. We feel like now we have to set out and, and achieve an mm-hmm. identity, and that causes a huge amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously a lot of anxiety associated. Uh, with that that we have to feel like we have to validate our existence so again what does the the bible have to say how do how does what the bible says answer this this um problem that we're all feeling um well firstly it starts from a place of god creating people uh, but also creating them to be fruitful 
and actually to have ambition and success and being fruitful with our lives is not a bad thing it's not just saying you know just don't don't work hard or don't do anything or don't have any ambition in your life no god created that as a good thing that we can uh, pursue mm-hmm. but the problem is when we are pursuing it in order to feel good about ourselves or feel that we've justified our place in the world and um, that is just when it's never going to be enough you know mm-hmm. we always want to try try a bit harder climb a little higher on the ladder mm-hmm. and get more respect or that sort of thing and it's just a sort of never-ending striving to feel secure in who we are and so what the bible suggests and and says that is the real solution the antidote is actually get our sense of identity and security from jesus christ and so yeah. joel pointed us to colossians chapter three where it's like your life is hidden with Christ in God. You need to come to Jesus and not just believe in Jesus, but actually have him shape your identity. And then that gives us security and a platform for when you can do everything that you want to do in following God in your life and be ambitious, but you're not doing it in a way that's trying to gain affirmation. No, you have affirmation from your relationship with God and Mm -hmm. that frees you to enjoy work and enjoy even success or lack of it, but it doesn't matter as much because you're, you're secure in who you are in God. So... That's good. That's a good 30 seconds. <laughs> That's great. Um, so uh, for those of you who noticed on Sunday, we have now put a number at the bottom of the screen. Um, so if you have any questions for Joel or whoever's um, we, we are inter- interviewing on a Tuesday at Live Lunch, you can send those in. And we have had some interesting questions. Um, so I'm just going to touch on a few that were about success um, today. So question um, one is... Is it your assertion that because Christians have been raised with Christ, their lives are therefore successful? And if so, why is this? And then the person's put, it would uh, it would really help me to understand how and why Jesus' achievements are ascribed to Christians. Yeah, I think this, this is something that can be so easily... Um, uh, misinterpreted or not quite understood even even by Christians even by Christians who have been Christians for many years uh, because it feels like okay Jesus has done work for us he's died on the cross to forgive us our sins he's risen again to give us a new life um, but I think there's a sort of instinct within us that wants to maybe um, pay God back or, or do good things in order to make God happy or um, uh, uh, and be a good Christian. Mm. And that's what God wants of us. Um, and so, that, yeah, that question is really getting at. So w- what is it Jesus' success or is it my success? Mm-hmm. And, and do I still need to achieve some success in order to connect with God on a deeper level, that sort of thing? And there's so much we could say about this, but... Even in this passage, but also other places in the Bible, it's very clear that it's our union with Christ, that Jesus has not just saved us, but he's brought us Mm -hmm. into a relationship with God, Mm -hmm. that the Christian God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And there's a unity in that. The the Christian God is not three gods, it's one God, there's Father, Son and Spirit. And Jesus, when you look at Jesus' life and you look at, through the Gospels, he's always talking about his relationship to the Father. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts relating to his disciples and telling them how to relate to God, he's, he, he's pointing them to the Father. Come to me and I'll, take, I'll bring you to the Father. When you pray, pray, our Father in heaven. He wants to bring them into that relationship. And so it's by uh, having faith in Jesus, by coming to Jesus, by receiving Jesus' sacrifice, not only are we forgiven, 
but actually in a, in a, in a really a real spiritual sense, we are connected to God. Mm-hmm. And that's what it says in John chapter 1. Those who believed in Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that God's over here and we're still over here. No, we've been brought right into it. And there's a, there's a mystical union mm-hmm. with God. And that so what Jesus has achieved becomes uh, something for us. It mm-hmm. belongs to us as well. So Jesus's perfect life is credited to us. Uh, Jesus's relationship with the Father is what uh, Jesus invites us into as well. So Jesus's success we uh, achieve. So, um, and if you think of that in terms of okay, what difference does that make eternally? One of the things about the Christian faith is it gets us to lift our eyes a little bit from just thinking about today and our life now, but to think about the whole of eternity. And one of the things that the Bible says is that um, those whose faith is in Christ, our destiny, where we'll end up in eternity, is not just being with God, but actually ruling or and reigning all through over the earth, mm. and actually uh, enjoying a, a sort of um, a position alongside God and sharing in his supremacy over the earth. And that's something he's brought us up into. And that's what uh, Colossians 3 is pointing to as well. Um, you know, you, you're you not here, you're up here, spiritually speaking. And one day that will become a physical reality as well. So in terms of success, that is where we're going to be. And that is what Christ has promised to us. And that is our greatest success. And of course, in, in uh, earthly terms, some Christians are more successful than others by what the world recognizes success. Mm. But anyone's success that you, the greatest success that they have is the where they'll end up in Christ. Mm. Um, and and that, that is secured by Jesus. And so Jesus has got that for us and it's secure for us. Yeah, you're saying about um, being in Christ. The other day I heard this really helpful analogy. Um, they were speaking about, say, you write your name on a piece of paper and put it inside the Bible and then just keep the Bible closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, open it from time to time. Um, but yeah, and it, they were saying that we share in Christ mm-hmm. and like um, mm-hmm. it just really helped me looking at that analogy and being like, well, yeah, my name is inside this Bible. Yeah, um, yeah. anyway, so the next question. Um, interesting question. What about our institution- uh, institutionalized view of Christian success? How do we fight that? I think what they're asking is about... Um, yeah, what does success as a Christian look like? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And um, so, what would you say Christian success looks like? Yeah, and how do we fight that? Yeah, I, I think especially I think in the in the wider Christian Christian world, when we see things online and we see different Christians who are uh, famous, and yeah. the internet has sort of uh, opened us up to seeing right. that. We, you know, I think you know decades gone by your christian experience and the people you know were the people around you physically in church but now we see lots of celebrity mm. pastors we see uh, sort of people held up as a sort of model uh, christian whether because they've got a preaching gift or a ministry or that sort of thing mm. and often um, that can fuel a sense of oh if i want to be a really good christian i need to be like them i need to have a platform or i, I need to um be be public and have lots of followers worldwide and it, that could be one thing, or or I think it also it could be uh, uh, maybe what they're referring to is the, the idea that, well, it, a, a Christian thing to do is have a family. So if you don't have a family, if you don't have, um, uh, you're not married or you don't have kids and that's not as successful as someone who does. And, and those ideas can um, very much, much creep in very unintentionally mm. um, and if you're if you're not like other people in the church you can feel oh they're successful and i'm not 
So I guess the question is how how do we fight that? I think there's a, there's a personal question for for all of us because I think whatever um, we have or don't have, one of the um, uh, the enemy's tactics for, to take down Christians is to com- is to get in on comparison mm. and be like, well, you're not as good as them because they've done this, and that is something that all Christians face and, and and feel and i think it's a personal battle to fight that and say no that's 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 not right you know i am who i am in jesus i walk the path that jesus has has got for me and trusting in in god's sovereignty and, and that he's you know he's specifically got a, a path for us to walk down and he knows us and he knows uh, where he's, he's leading us so it's a, i think it's a personal battle i think i think there definitely are areas that the church including our church can improve in terms of affirming different um uh, different people uh, in different uh, demographics and walks of life often um you know people in the older generation can feel forgotten or left right. out people who are who are single because again they might be in the minority in a church uh, adults who are who are single can feel overlooked and that sort of thing and there's always things i mean i think as a pastor we have to keep reflecting on that you know are we affirming people in the call that god's given them or are we just catering to the majority and i think we can all get better at that and i think as pastors we have to keep reflecting on that and mm. and i think you know our, our i think everyone in the church has a um it's helpful you know even speaking as a pastor it's helpful when people say to me okay i think you're overlooking this person or, or we when you say this this is what we feel and just mm. getting that feedback is helpful uh, for us um and we can we can act on that i think that's received when it's done in a a, a loving way not just mm. a, it's all about me and why you're not talking to me yeah. you, you can never win that uh, you never do enough for, for in that situation but 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 flagging it up talking about it mm. in a respectful kind and helpful way i think it, it'd be a really positive thing as well I think small groups are really help, helpful yeah. as well yeah, yeah i think that's the thing i think sometimes people can stand in a church and then just have lots of perceptions of how they feel and then walk out again and think oh that wasn't for me but rather than having the conversation this is how i feel and help me to understand why you say this and why you do that is much more a healthy way of going about it it's good um right so kind of going off from that, does the lack of kudos stay at home mums have in mainstream society play out in reverse within the church? Um, single working women and working mums in secular uh, employment are somehow seen as less committed and by association less successful as Christians. Okay, yeah. So I guess this is, this is picking up on something specifically that Joel was saying in the, in the message as well, kind mm-hmm. of saying, you know, society out there um, often undervalues um stay-at-home mums uh, for example um and the, yeah that question do we do the, do we do the opposite um let me say a few things on that i think uh first firstly to say my wife works uh, so we have one a child as I say one on the way and so we, we we both work um and so i don't want to get too much into the practical decision because each individual family has got to make those decisions for themselves but those decisions should be governed by the principles that are in the Bible, not expectations, and really not financial as well. And so this, I know I'm treading on sensitive, sensitive ground here, but what the Bible calls us to uh, primarily is be faithful to Jesus, to follow him, and to care and love one another. And if you're a parent, God calls you to raise your children. There's no um, no one who who um, has that responsibility in the way you do. 
you know, for the children that you have, no one can be a mother to them in the way that you can be, and no one can be a father. So I'm saying this to both fathers and mothers. The, I would suggest after following Jesus, providing for and looking after your family is the most God-honoring thing that you can do. And so I think when you're making decisions about should you work, should you not, that uh, that should be at the, the top of your priority. Mm. Our priority. So that, I'm just saying that as a family, I know my priority is is my wife and my my son, and um, it will be my other child. But that you know when I finish my life. I want that to be the the main thing that I've yeah. I've done well because no one else can do that mm-hmm. and I think for both for um for fathers and for mothers there's a temptation to to work more than they need to do in order to have a certain financial standing in life that God's not called you to mm-hmm. um but it it feels that it's better or that sort of thing actually what God primarily called us to is look at, look after look after our children. So I'm saying that both to inform decisions for mothers whether they should work or not, mm-hmm. and and for fathers as well. I think it's just as much an issue. It's it, it's it's so easy for fathers to throw themselves into work and abdicate the responsibility towards their own children. Um, and so I, I'm I'm can be very upfront now. It's it's easier for me as a as a full time uh, pastor uh, elder in the church. I've got great flexibility. But I deliberately sometimes in, in, in my week take take time during the day to look after my son and spend time with him. And I'll make up the hours, as it were, in terms of mm. my uh, work at other times in the evenings and cut across other times it might be social because I want to be there for my for my son because yeah. I know that God's given me that responsibility to be there for my son. So you can go off all different sides of it in terms of working too much or working too little because we, we do have a responsibility to provide uh, financially and for, for your family. But I think whatever decision you make, it should be with those principles in mind, mm-hmm. not oh, I need to work because we need to have this standard of living. Right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests there's a certain standard of living that you must must reach. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the principles that should govern the family. So in one, so get, to get back to the question, um, you know, do, do we fall off the horse too much the other way, saying family is more important than work? I think I can certainly see how it might come across that way, right. but I think it's better to err on that thing because actually that's... You know, I think the Bible speaks much more about that than actually the, the necessity to work and earn a certain standard standard of living. Um, if 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 it's if it gives more time uh, for your children, so you can live a more simple life financially and not as uh, beneficial. I think eternally speaking, that is a better decision to make. I say all that, having said that my wife does work and we sort of manage that and we review that and and that sort of thing. And and her, she has a job that she uh, generally enjoys and she gets to um, outwork her gifting and grow in her leadership and all those sorts of things. And that is a a benefit too, you know, Mm. so those are are good things to put in the balance there. Mm. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that's balanced enough. I guess it's the whole tension of, um, yeah, making work bigger and more more priority than um than family and mm-hmm. whether that's a, a working mum or, or not it's even in marriage like um there's always that tension and joel was speaking about putting one on the altar and sacrificing mm-hmm. the other and um mm-hmm. yeah it's just mm-hmm. a, a tension so it's definitely an independent um unique situation for each though so, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. good um do we have any questions from the floor go on 
Uh, yeah, sure. I was, I was reading this morning, um, just in Corinthians, where Paul was talking about it's better just to remain as you are and, and um, the call of celibacy, I guess, and how, like, obviously he was a bit biased because he, he was celibate, mm-hmm. but um, how he could be more effective and he, yeah, he, the phrase he used was that when you're married you have more worldly concerns, when you're not you have more, mm-hmm. um, I suppose, like kingdom-focused concerns if you're single and you're not in that relationship. So, like, how, how do we, when we're married, or if we feel like we want to be married, how do we retain, um, like, keeping our mind on the things that, that, that are above and not on the world? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great question. So uh, I guess we're, we're talking about balance and the, and the, the, what, we're, what we're called to. We're called to um, provide and, and love uh, our, our spouse, but also Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, you know, and that's the priority. And so uh, I, I think what I say on that um I, I, I think the the the, the, exa- the example that you give, all the passages that you're speaking from there, Paul is is firstly talking about the persecution that church is under and that the the, the pragmatic difficulties that that is going to cause and the fact that people would lose their lives and and the, the the tumult that was going on in the church at the time, but he's but for us we can, we can definitely draw out that principle is you're seeing your decisions in the light of eternity and the light of what God's called you to, um, and 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 I think. How can I answer it? I think it's 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 about it, it's so difficult to um, to hold on to the, the what God's called us to from the Scripture when we have a whole set of um, expectations are, around us. Like well, one of the things we're talking about here, and one of the things that fuels anxiety is that the world, everything we see on social media, mm-hmm. the people around us, uh, our friendship, our, our, our family members, people that know us. Every single one of those relationships come with a certain expectation of how we should live, what we should prioritize, what we should do, mm. um, and that is it's it's so difficult. Uh, and a lot of those things we don't even realize that there are influences on us or as strong influences as they can be, and it can be just so easy to make a decision and fall in line with with because it makes other people happy or feel if I do this. Um, other people just think I'm stupid or I think it's, it's illogical uh, and so I think that for my, myself I would always appeal to to know the Bible and get into the Bible because actually you get from that not just individual verses that say oh you should do this, this but you should get, you get God's heart for what he feels is important so I think that's what I was trying to talk about with the family thing you know family is so important to God Earning a big salary is very not important to God. We've talked about how success is, is good, it's, a, it's ambition, but Paul's kind of getting at, look, see these decisions in the light of what's important to God and what he, he's called. And the individual working out of that will be different at different for different people and different at different times in your life. Sometimes looking after small children will be your absolute priority, and other times you, God frees you up to do other things and serve other people outside your family and stuff like that. But it's seeing all those decisions in the light of, Okay, what is important to God? And and similar to what we were saying before, I think it's got to be a step of faith. You know, our decisions are not just what's 
right in theory. It's like, what is God giving me faith for right now? And if you're in a situation thinking, I feel I want to be married, but is that because it feels like a good idea and it's what everyone else is doing and what needs to be a good Christian should do, get married? Or is it a step of faith? You know that this is what God is leading you in now. And that takes time to work out. It takes discernment. It takes other people speaking into your life and and, uh, saying that this is a good thing or, or not. It's not an always an easy decision, but it's, it's what, what is God giving you faith for? And that's the way he's lead, he will be leading you. That's good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we are coming to the end of Live Lunch, but what should we expect this Sunday? Right. This Sunday, really interesting uh, topic this Sunday. We're talking about body image. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently. So I'm sort of uh, introducing uh, the, the topic and saying a few things. But I've also uh, recorded an interview uh, with a lady called Emma Scrivener. And oh, so yes. a lot of the message uh, on, on Sunday is, is going to include that, be that video and uh, her telling her story uh, of uh, anorexia and how she got there and how her relationship with Jesus really brought her her back from from the point death's door really she was a really bad way and her relationship with Jesus and how that turned around but also discussing these uh, um, this this issue as, as a much wider thing talking about body positivity talking about the way that uh, the conversation that's going on about body image and fat shaming and as I say body positivity and how do we how do we respond to it is is that a, is is just should we just be positive about who we are and just um, or what does it mean to be healthy and all those sorts of things that is what we're talking about on Sunday sounds very interesting yeah looking forward thank to you it. very much um, thank you very much for listening and thanks to our people on the floor uh, we'll see you next week bye